0: ladies and gentlemen welcome we have a, a very special episode today uh welcome to the get realisms podcast episode 117 oh, wow. y'all 117 um i am adam chase rennie
1: and i am christine chen and we have a special guest my why don't you introduce yourself
2: hey there i'm mai hong and this is rooster <laughs> one of my <laughs> One of my six kitties, and then you can also meet uh, Goose. Yay, Goose. Hello, Goose. Uh, yes. my others, so we
1: have lots of guests today. Some are kitty. silent.
2: <laughs> yes. Okay, you go over there.
1: Perfect. And I is the director. Oh, sorry. I should yes. introduce
2: myself. We're not here to about- <laughs> talk about my cats, uh, but we're here to talk about my documentary, Cat Daddies. Um which is uh, my first my first foray into documentary filmmaking so
1: a feature that's
2: out right now
1: yes um how can you see it when did you make it and how can we how can people see it first so we both started
2: making it in 2019 Mm -hmm. and then started the film festival circuit in 2021 yeah and uh, I did a theatrical release in about 60 cities across the US and then um, is now on VOD. You can find it on uh, Amazon It's probably the most important to us. Um, it's also on Apple and Voodoo and all that good stuff.
1: Very good. How how did you come up with the idea of cat daddies? Obviously, you I can tell you're a cat lover. So... Uh, where did it come and did you have this idea for a while or is it like a spur of the moment type thing?
2: Yeah, I had always been working and dabbling in the narrative of filmmaking, but then I think I kind of decided to give this a try because really some of the, my most favorite films are documentaries. Um, so I don't know why I didn't try doing this before, but I found that it actually suits my personality a lot better. Um, is working in the documentary form. And then um, cats has just been something I'm always been passionate about, um, obviously. But I, the funny thing that happened is that my my husband, who was not a cat guy when we were first dating, um, I saw the transformation. <laughs> and uh, it actually had nothing to do with me. A cat had found him one day. And uh, the rest is history. He was just hooked, and I—I I think it surprised both of us. Um, and I think it just goes to show that you know, you think you know who you are, and maybe you really don't. <laughs> and uh, and I just started exploring this more. And I just the more I see men holding their kitties, it just the more it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It just gives me that little spark joy and the more i talk to people about this because i've been seeing books about it um a lot of articles about it when i talk to people about well maybe i should make this into a documentary uh people sparked to it it just made people happy to think about that so so that was the first lead and then i got some kind of seed money um invest you know some investment to sort of get started and shoot for, you know, a couple months to sort of uh, see if this could, idea could actually work. And then um, I use that footage to like create a sizzle reel, like cut some scenes and to see if this could work and and then and then use that to crowdfund for, for the rest of the budget.
1: Yeah, so if you wouldn't mind me asking, cause this is an educational film podcast, um, what was your seed funding and then, how much did you end up raising for your film
2: yeah seed funding was in the low five digits um my kickstarter was 30,000 mm-hmm. um i think my husband and i put in a lot of our own money um and then you know the expenses just never ends <laughs> as you yeah. know as you're making a movie so i mean it's hard to sort of add up the whole cost of the movie, but it's definitely in the five mid five digit range. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so we've actually kind of recouped that back um, just on foreign sales. Um, nice. So in theory, but I can tell you that it's very slow and, and a lot of that money hasn't made it in. So. Um, <laughs> So I'm still repaying investors. Uh, but in theory, if everything happens smoothly and everything makes it to the bank, <laughs> then, yeah. then we're in good shape. Very cool. Uh, so
1: when you made the sizzle, did who? how did you find your subjects uh, when you first started? And did more subjects come when you... We're committed to making seeing that it works and committed to make the feature
2: yeah so i didn't do a casting call or anything i right. was just um i was already following some of these guys these cat dads that i was interested in and if you you know search hashtags um it just takes you down this endless rabbit hole um but right. it's great because you can kind of pre-audition everybody and kind of get a feeling of like uh what they're like uh, where they live in the country what they do for a living all these things before i even need to approach them um that was kind of important to me because i i i wanted to get a diverse group geographically um, um i didn't want you know every cat dad to be from LA <laughs> <laughs> um, so i really tried to branch out actually when we first started we were thinking internationally so we actually yeah. had some cat dads chosen that were international. Some of it was like looking at their following, but I didn't want to lean on that completely. And, um, it actually turns out that I don't really know how much that helps really. It helps a little bit, but I don't know that it helped truly help the visibility of our movie that some of the cat dads have a whole lot of followers. Um, but, Uh, then there there was one man who was a tip. He wasn't on social media at all. He was actually living on the streets in New York with his cat, and he was actually from David and Lucky. They were actually a tip from a Kickstarter backer. So I had already started. I had already started shooting, and so she was. But you know, so at first I was like, "Well, I don't. We're already cast up, and I don't know if this is gonna work totally." um but then you get to know him and it's just like well he's kind of the epitome of a a guy that loves his cat and so yeah we kind of had to like have him and make it work um so we took that leap and then when 2020 happened some of the people we had planned dropped out because of everything that was happening so that actually created more room for David and Lucky's story but yeah. yeah it's kind of a mix but mostly i'd say mostly they have some kind of social media presence even if it's a small one but that was good for me as a first time you know documentary filmmaker you know because if i see okay they're showing pictures of themselves you know publicly then okay well they're probably open to sharing yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. letting yeah. us Sorry. in their home and 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 being part of it so
1: very neat um what was the hardest part about being a first time documentary filmmaker in your opinion
2: um not knowing that a pandemic was gonna happen (laughs) yes Uh, that's fair (laughs) i think for all of us um yeah it's funny because when that happened everyone in the filmmaking community was like well the documentaries will be fine (laughs) they'll find a way to shoot but that didn't make it any easier that didn't make us feel any better because you still had to you know i had um a subject that was immunocompromised and it's like Mm -hmm. how do you shoot this and keep them safe how how do we stay safe And traveling, I mean, we were shooting in all, you know, many, many different cities. I live in LA, New York, South Carolina. And it's like, how do you even do all this travel during the pandemic? So that was, um, you know, we'd we'd set up, we'd book travel and then all of a sudden, well, there's gonna be, you know, these restrictions. (laughs) And so then we'd have to cancel and it's just back and forth all this stuff for like a year it drew out for a year i we were scheduled to uh finish shooting april 2020 okay gotcha and And um, you said you had more subjects right yeah and i even had subjects overseas so march and april i basically had to cancel all of our travel which was like kind of like half half of our remaining production and then just kind (laughs) of and just kind of cobble things throughout 2020 like you know shoot things here and there if we could fly there that kind of thing um if the other person still felt comfortable um so it ended up being um eight planned cat dads and then like a ninth ninth was kind of a bonus so Chris the cop who befriends David's friend uh yeah we weren't planning to show his cat or have him in it as much as we did, but that worked out really well. Yeah, yeah, another difficulty of casting is that, you know, a lot of people have cats that are skittish, including myself. Um, Mm, So we had to make one of the criteria is to make sure that the cat was gonna be okay with it because we don't want to stress any cats out. So we had to make sure they were outgoing enough to have some strangers come into their home. that's kind of why we end up seeing very, very little of Pez at the end, because Pe- Pez was a little like shy and skittish Aww. about us being there, so uh, we yeah. had to be very, very careful not to spook her too much. Yeah. So, but you guys got um, some
1: incredible footage, regardless. Like,
2: it, thanks. It's,
1: with the cats, it, they felt they looked like they were very comfortable, and you got some fun. Very playful. I think part of they were what, so playful. So playful. Yeah. I think part of the draw of your documentary is how wholesome and playful it is, and and just I don't know. You watching, you just feel good, right? So because uh, I'm, I think a lot of things that people relate to is having a pet, even if maybe you don't yeah. like cats. Having a pet and having that bond with the pet, I think, is what translates so well from your documentary so i
2: mean um, i think basically i set out to make something that i would want to watch as yeah. as an audience so and, and a lot of times there's uh you know cat documentaries there's oftentimes a lot of stressed out looking cats and i just really <laughs> wanted to have a
1: really yeah. lean
2: crew, really lean crew and really take our time and be patient with them and yeah. and get them to you know, be comfortable and act natural around us. You know, because they don't take direction very well at all. No,
1: they don't. Know. No. It's yeah.
2: a lot. A lot of times, a lot of times, you're just waiting around for them to do something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you're
2: just, you're just, you're just camera ready all the time.
1: You're just wait. <laughs> how them. how big was your crew at most times?
2: Very biggest was four. Yeah. Um, oh. Okay. I say mm-hmm. when we were at the fire station, we had four. Okay. Um, There's a lot of space to move around, but in most yeah. cases, it was two two to three um, because it's just like we're shooting yes. in a lot of like people's apartments mm-hmm. and like Nathan, the cat lady has like four cats and a, mm-hmm. a small apartment. So we're all like crammed in there together. Um, and then sometimes there was only one person. It was uh, Rob Bennett, my DP. He yeah. just had a one-man bandit during the pandemic um, when I was in L.A., he was actually on the happened to be on the East Coast during most of the pandemic. So he could do a lot of follow up in New York for us. I really would have preferred to be there, but I wasn't. So yeah, so when you see the scene in the hospital and things like that, that happened in the Oh yeah,
0: David referenced him, uh, the cameraman. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So it was just him and, and that worked out mostly well but it was hard on him i mean i don't recommend it because like especially during a pandemic because you're thinking about your gear recording sound Mm -hmm. um lighting he's doing everything on top of that you know driving himself or taking transfer you know getting from one place to another and then thinking about safety all at the same time and you know being masked he had a face shield he had to wear a hospital gown or something I mean yeah. it was like it was um intense so I wouldn't ask anyone to do that again but at that time it was the only thing I yeah. could do
1: that's very interesting uh how when that when you had to not be available on site was it did you virtually call in to try to direct or was it like hear some bullet yeah, point questions? I just,
2: both I had a list that we went over ahead of time and then I had called in on the phone um FaceTime would have been too difficult if I did FaceTime it was just for a few minutes um just to say hi but then we would just switch over to the phone and I would ask the questions um if we needed to get an interview um so that's kind of how that went but yeah I remember he had to go um from man, you know, the hospital in Manhattan, up to upstate New York, and then also shoot in Brooklyn and a lot of this in the same day. So it was a lot of moves for one person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you I'm assuming you had this all scheduled out and you say like, hey, it's we're shooting this day. This is what time we said we'd be at each location. And then he just these are the questions and he just run and gun, right? With that. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. locations were you able to be a part of?
2: Um, I say everything. Um, I mean, I was actually there for most in New York, but it was just that one trip okay. in the summer we couldn't do, but I was definitely there for the rest of it. Um, and Working with such a small crew and being able to, like, you know, constantly test for COVID during that time just made it, um, uh, you know, easier. I, I I can't imagine trying to pull something off with more crew than that during that time.
1: Yeah. Did you, for camera, did you circulate different people or was it always the same person and you just kind of allowed?
2: I, I was open to circulating different people, but Rob, the DP was <laughs> pretty much, uh, pushed everything aside to, to kind of be yeah. there for the whole thing. I cool. think we had, um, maybe once had a, a second unit camera, what, but you know, with him there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he really wanted to take ownership of that. And I think That's he just cool. didn't. Yeah. Does he like so, cats? oh yeah he loves them he doesn't yeah. have any of his own he okay. travels quite a bit for yeah. his work so it's kind of hard so it was a great way for him to um, kind of have a pet
1: yeah
2: <laughs> but how did really you find care him? one yeah yeah well, I worked with rob on another film an indie feature narrative that I was a producer yeah. on and he was um the gaffer and we were really impressed um with his work and also his personality um and just sort of like he just is very calm and he never you know and and nothing phases him and he's also up for adventure and at any time so it's weird because like i really took a lot of risk into this project but kind of like I didn't have a lot to lose because the budget was so low that in a way yeah. like it was perfect to take risk. And, you know, he he actually wanted to DP a feature. So this, this was like a step up for him. And so, gotcha. um, yeah, he totally jumped into it even more than, I mean, he was a better choice than I even thought at the time because yeah. as you're in it, you realize, wow, um, this is the perfect person because he is very patient and he makes the cats comfortable and he Mm -hmm. just has that energy, like cats pick up on the kind of energy that people have. Right. And if you don't have that cat person energy, sometimes they pick up on that right away and luckily, yeah, yeah, luckily Rob just had, he was like a cat whisperer. (laughs) he, he He had the right energy. Um, I have to say, that was probably half the trick. And then on yeah. top of that, um, you know, all these things, these schedule changes, just, just all these things, it's just none of it phased him. He remained really calm. And that's really important mm-hmm. in indie filmmaking.
1: Definitely. Um, someone
2: be chill and roll with the punches and yeah. have a positive attitude. So thank God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so both of you guys.
1: <laughs> started off first in narratives and then mm. moved over to docs did um, yes okay great yes and i mean th- i'm
2: sure i'm sure he had dabbled in some small doc projects but definitely not dp a doc feature
1: okay yeah where he, I always he, where wondered- he was
2: on the project for a year
1: yeah, yeah. um our trajectory is we're polar opposite. So I started in docs and then I oh yeah narratives. And now I've been narratives and I'm actually I am working on a little doc but it's but I've been I started off in docs and then went to narratives. So it's interesting that you started off in narratives and then have jumped and found your place in in docs. Have you thought about your next doc project that you, you are will they be a cat daddies too? or the follow-up yeah the follow-up or
2: a lot of people are asking for it so we'll see especially with david's Um, story
0: david's story was heartbreaking
2: yeah and the fact that you know his story has changed for the positive actually Um, yeah he's really he's really thriving right now and 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 i do think it's due to the fact that if it's the love that his cat Uh, Mm -hmm. has for him and also just all the people that he's befriended people that are reaching out to him from all over the world because of the movie so i I do think all of that is really really helping him i would love to do a follow-up i am doing uh i'm working on a a bonus feature for a dv for the dvd where it's called where are they meow so yeah yeah i am doing a little follow-up so just kind of catching everyone up on what the cat dads are up to right now in 2023 so I have a a lot to uh, share um, and then beyond that if I do do um, some kind of sequel I would love to find new cat dads and I'd love to maybe do some inter- you know originally it was an international idea so I would still love to do like cat yeah, daddies yeah, UK nice. or cat yeah. daddies Japan or something like yeah, that like-
1: changing into a series maybe like a just yeah. with i don't know that would be fun that would be pretty cool yeah mm-hmm.
2: um i pitch- actually um i'm right now i'm actually pitching a new project uh it's Ooh. a new feature um so we'll see how that goes but it's not cat daddies but it's more of like cat rescue related oh, cool. so oh fun. i'm excited about that and the the good thing i wanted to share was that it was because of cat daddies um, that I'm able to even have the opportunity to pitch this new project because now I have a proof of concept. Now people can just simply go to Amazon, rent it, and right. see kind of like what my brand is or what you know, kind of like what I'm interested in. Um, and so that's really opened doors for me um just to have the opportunity to pitch where I wouldn't have ever before, right? yeah, so. So that's the great thing about a first, you know, getting your first feature out there.
1: Very cool. Uh, I guess I wanted to pivot to uh, the distribution aspect of it. Mm. Uh, How did you did you end up with a distributor or did you self-distribute?
2: Yeah, so I do have a North American distributor um, that they're called Brainstorm Media, And um, there was a lot of interest from different distributors. I went with them uh, mainly because of their passion for the project. Um, And they were also okay with um, uh, carving. I carved out the theatrical rights for the US. Um, I really, really wanted, it was really important to me to have in-person screenings. Yes. Um, that was always the case before the pandemic. We really wanted theatrical, and even more so as we after we finished the film, because there's nothing more powerful than to see it with an audience. And also yes. we thought that that helps David's situation. And it was such a dream of mine to have screenings in theaters with the Cat Dads there. Um, first of all, because it's a lot of fun, but also, yes. Um, Yeah, there's something really powerful about our New York, you know, having our in-person New York screenings and having David there because he is -hmm. unable to travel and and it's just so, I I think it's been helpful, you know, we really wanted to help him and and really all the cat dads because, you know, they, they also have their own causes as well. So in person, there's just, there's just nothing that matches it, right? Yeah. And hearing people laugh, hearing people ooh, ah when they see the cats and really seeing the cats larger than life. Like we wouldn't have shot in 4k in scope and all these things. (laughs) If we were just going straight to, you know, streaming. Yeah. So that Mm -hmm. it just was for, for this project. It just, that wasn't the point. I really, the point, the point was to get people together and engage, especially the cat community. And uh, we did a lot of uh, fundraisers, too, through our in-person screenings and get to see some of these uh, cat rescues and organizations and nonprofits uh, mingle with people, especially coming out of the pandemic and just being able to come together like that was really important for us.
1: When picking the subject, besides being a cat lover yourself, uh, I'm interested as to whether the niche aspect of your film is why also like whether you had marketing in mind already prior to starting the doc process and making it um i asked this because my film as you've, you've seen mermaids was a very specific niche community with mermaid community and that was definitely a part of like my pitch deck for to to, to investors. Uh, part of the consideration for making that film was that. Did you start off being thinking that way at all, or did it come definitely, as definitely,
2: definitely? Right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what I always say is that the funny thing is that the strengths of my film is the cats, but also the weakness is the cats, right? Because <laughs> Because diehard cat people will go see it, right? Yes. They'll, they'll do whatever to see it. But the people who are not, they don't get it at all. And a lot of that is the gatekeepers, mm-hmm. right? And the people in distribution and even the press, even like getting publicity is hard because cause it's like, okay, cats, so what? That's, right.
1: <laughs> that's right, the right, weakness.
2: Right. That's the weakness. It's like they'll never get it they'll never get it um and so i think that's kind of why we've had such a lack of um this kind of product you know we do have a lot of animal wildlife conservation um a lot of dog content but but surprisingly not as much cat because I think a lot of people can get their funny cat video on YouTube or (laughs) for free, right? Like it's easy there, free internet, but I'm the type of person that I don't like consuming it that way. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm on the train, I'll look at a silly cat video, whatever, but you know, I'm a cinephile, I go out to the movies and I Mm -hmm. want to, um, you know, See it without distraction I'm uh, so for me like this is what I wanted to make um, but it is kind of a yeah it's kind of a challenge to get attention either from the press either from these gatekeepers um, because they don't see the value they don't value. see the attraction they don't see the value yeah. um, but I also knew at least cats are an attraction overseas So I think this could sell outside of the U.S. so I don't have to completely depend on the U.S. There's so many things I've been involved with in the past that Mm -hmm. had no value overseas. If you don't have a star in your movie, it almost has no value overseas. So how do you you get interest um, internationally? Well, cats are kind of (laughs) universal. They're kind of universally loved. you know, and there's certain countries that are especially crazy about cats. So I figured yeah, yeah. that, yeah, so I figured that this has some value. So I did work with an international sales agent for the first time. We we had never done this before. Um, they felt really good about it. Um, honestly, there's a lot of trepidation as uh, kind of an emerging filmmaker and working with these reps (laughs) yeah you know and you hear the horror stories and you're trying to form this new relationship and trust and all these things and there's a lot of there's always and you know empty promises in this yes business
0: you know all about that (laughs) yeah
2: but i had to take the leap because really like there was there's no other way that i there's so many things i can do right i can I can plan a tour for this film. I can I can promote screenings and get people to come out. But yeah. as far as international sure. sales go, I'm completely lost. I need help. So luckily, yes. MPX, which is based here in L.A., um, took a very keen interest early on during the film festival circuit when no one else was looking at it or would yes. look at it. Um, and so they took it seriously and... Um, And i was really happy about that and uh you know and and so it's been selling i think they sold it to 10 territories so far so like Mm. yeah as you mentioned japan yeah japan's coming up and and we were we are so lucky because we weren't sure they were going to do a theatrical release they certainly don't have to it's certainly rare for a documentary to get theatrical release internationally but they're 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 opening it in three cities in tokyo first and then if it goes well oh, that's they'll awesome. expand yeah. it yeah. and it makes sense in tokyo and, too
0: with all the cat, cat cafes yeah. Yeah.
2: yes i mean the it's just a cat culture there you see cat yeah. stuff oh, everywhere sure. it's yeah it's so i'm really excited about that um and just seeing how the audience reacts and that's they sweet. love tear jerkers over there actually um so i think they're really gonna enjoy the movie and uh yeah and then we also have a theatrical coming up in germany which also surprised me and they're actually dubbing it in german okay (laughs) which is
1: that's surprising Yeah.
2: And I learned that it's very expensive to 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 do that. So, the, I think the dub is like 20,000 is $20,000. Just Oh dub
1: gosh. It. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
2: in another language. Yeah. So, um do you,
1: are you so responsible would, for that or do they just put it no, in? No,
2: like they will. Feedback? yeah yeah they will be responsible for that probably it means it comes out of the revenue which probably means i won't really see See any money (laughs) coming out of there but um and then i just we're closing soon on a deal with um uh you know the a bunch of territories, um, including the Russian Federation. <laughs> so, like, wow. so like, okay. like, it includes Ukraine, um, Uzbekistan, and uh, Georgia. Yeah. And uh, it was really important to me. Be I'm surprised, first of all, that they even want to take the movie, but they want to show it theatrically. And, uh, you know, David in the movie is also from the country of Georgia. Mm. So, Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really excited about it finding an audience there.
1: So, for the international sales agent, or is just a sales agent that deals with international territories? How did you find that person or a link to that? Was it through a film festival? Was that through?
2: Um, they reached out to me. Yeah, okay. Because a film festival, particularly Tallgrass, they saw it in the lineup. Okay. Um, I think they're I think they're probably looking at a lot of film festivals. But the great thing about Tallgrass, which is in Wichita, Kansas, is that they're yes. known to be stubbornly independent. Um, they almost only show films that aren't going, don't have distribution. So, in other words, they're not going to show those movies that are going to be on Netflix like two weeks later. You know what I'm gotcha. talking about? Yes. There's a yep. lot of that, really. right? Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> that. <Yes. laughs> so, so like we're talking about truly independent films um that's what they champion and so i think it's a perfect uh lineup for sales agents to be kind of scanning because they already know that okay right. this isn't picked up yet um whereas you go to a bigger festival like Tribeca's going on right now for instance i mean yes. i'm sure half i'm sure most of their slate i mean a lot of it's probably already picked up by distributor or in talks with someone already just because it got into tribeca right so um so it was interesting that that came out of Tallgrass. And then, um, uh, yeah, we'd just been talking. It was a slow, you know, it wasn't an instant yes. It was a, a slow building, I think, relationship uh, and just seeing what they're about. And because they're also kind of new kids on the block. The company mm-hmm. is new, the, play, the players are old. Like they've been around in other, you know, agencies but the company itself is new. So you don't have that many people to ask, you know, for references from. Sure. Um, so yeah, it, yeah. it's definitely a, a leap of faith. Um, for sure. But the most important thing to me in distribution is like, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, why do you pick this instead of another? And it's never, it's never the highest dollar sign. It's,
1: yes.
2: it's always for me, like their communication. And whether they respond in a timely manner or not, yes. and and how they respond, and do they sound, you know, are do they sound do they like I'm smile. bothering them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like, would they yeah. respond, like, how are they responding to me? Am I bothering them? You know, because this is a long, you know, this is a relationship that's going to last for years. It's like right. getting married, right? I mean, right. like,
1: do Basically. you want
2: to yeah so like who do you want to be in a marriage with and art or and, <laughs> at any given point right they can just go running right they could ghost yeah. you like you don't know <laughs> like yeah it's so it's so much like that um so you take this leap of faith and uh hope everything turns out right and you ask around i mean i definitely asked around yeah try to see if there are any like red flags um so there weren't there weren't any big bridges burnt yet, but um yeah. it's it's definitely something to take in account because really uh anything can happen in these companies. It's a real volatile time. Um you know, they could fold and then right. where does your movie go? You know, or right, <laughs> what happens right. to all this oh, stuff. I didn't and
0: think about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Wow. Yeah.
1: Uh so your um, you did kind of your theatrical also within uh, nationally. Did you find because I know you were you did 60 different theaters and stuff. How did you handle all of that? Because uh, that was yourself right doing the because you retained those rights.
2: Yeah. Um Yeah. And I don't recommend it. I, <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> 60 I- theaters.
0: <laughs> really? That's yeah. crazy. I-
2: recommended and and <laughs> you know it was a it was a slow rollout right you start okay. with one theater and then sure. it just builds from there but um oh,
0: okay okay
2: I I had a booker uh he's out of New York he's actually retired but like for the right project he may come yeah. out of retirement mm-hmm. and work on right. it um but uh it's interesting he did not like Cats at all and then he saw <sighs> my movie and he was like it, it really won him over. So he was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to work on this. But he really hated cats before this yeah. movie. He was a yeah. total dog guy. But anyway, um so I had it was me, a booker. I had okay. a publicist for New uh, York. Okay. And then I had a publicist in the Bay Area. And I had another publicist in the Texas area because I'm from okay. Texas. Yes. Um, maybe that was overkill. I don't know. But. It, But um, I also wasn't paying for all of it. So a lot of my Mm. marketing advertising costs uh, was coming from a corporate sponsor. So I had um, a a cat brand come Ah, in and sponsor a lot of our theatrical expenses. you know, just by me putting their logo um, in front right. of the movie, as if they're a distributor, um, you know, that's very easy to add on. I put their logo on the poster. I put it on the trailer. I I just put right. it everywhere. So I just do a lot of branding for them. Whenever I'm in person, I'm handing out giveaways. Um, sometimes I have their pop-up banner. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing everything possible to promote the brand um, during these during this tour
1: yes. so
2: it was a definite mutual uh win-win situation uh really couldn't have done it without them at least on that right. level uh um, yeah
1: it was it's a lot of resources uh so i want to know why you wouldn't recommend it i went through the same process so i totally get it um uh, what were some of the um, things that you went into
2: yeah i mean first of all just the labor of it and like i said i don't recommend it the reason why i did it is because my background actually before filmmaking is actually running film festivals so i already know how yeah i just know how to set up events this is like if you have event planning experience um and just getting people there and and just i just know all the nuts and bolts right it's just like it's just somehow in my blood and so there's that um so and a lot of filmmakers aren't interested in that or have the bandwidth to do that but for me like it just comes naturally so that's all fine i also used to work in movie theaters so i just have all this experience on that side so i kind of know what the pitfalls are i know kind of like what to spend money on, what not to spend money on. And I also had a bit of a budget from the sponsor that I could also experiment and figure out like what work, what's working, what's not working and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, the other thing is the money, I'd say. Because what, pe- what people don't realize is, realize is that you're spending at least $5 to make $2. Right. You know, yeah. I don't... <laughs> i don't have the exact equation of math but that's pretty much like it is because the return that i got is nowhere near the money that i spent into Mm -hmm. the marketing because um not everyone's gonna buy a ticket but you're kind of buying you're buying awareness
1: yes right
2: so there's no but there's no return on investment so if you're going to spend all this money you can't expect Even half of it to come back from ticket sales Mm -hmm. even though we were selling out a lot of shows around the country um you know it's sad sadly it's just expensive it's just you know you're not a studio and you don't have stars in your movie right and you're just doing this by yourself pretty much and you're relying on social media i really relied on social media and the fans to just sort of like get the word out because there's just no other way either that or there was like direct advertising on social media but that's still not enough because there's a lot of cat ladies not not on the internet right so like how do you reach them and then getting a publicist or advertising what are you going to do advertise in a newspaper that nobody is picking up anymore and you know spend money on publicity uh, when, you know, there aren't any more writers or <laughs> film critics yeah, yeah, anymore, yeah. like yeah. so it's a whole whole new frontier right, so right. that's also another reason why I don't recommend it, and also, like, if you're planning to do this yourself, it's gonna be a whole new ball, ball game yeah. in one to two it's years, hard. so all of this all of my advice could change, so sure. <laughs> you have to keep that in mind So you just kind of have to like figure things out as you go. Yeah.
1: But you don't feel like having done this trajectory for marketing that it, it is going to in a long run affect yours. Like, would you have been able to, for example, get the Japan theatrical without you having done your own theatrical it nationally?
2: yeah none of it actually correlates it's not like having an having a theatrical here helped in any way i mean it was it was good yeah i don't think it's like related i don't think at all right the event the one good thing is that because i've done all this theatrical stuff here i have the materials and everything that they need, <laughs> you right. know, That's like I, like right. the blue the blue yeah. blueprint is there, and yes. they just you know they take the trailer or they take the key art that I already mm-hmm. made, and they can run with it or they can right. do their own key art like whatever. But I have so much. I have to say I have so much key art. Starting from the film festival, yeah. you know, I had a different poster design, and then theatrical we use a different designer and. You know had, so i have all kinds of different designs and then every country can like pick and choose like what do they want yeah. to use you know right. so like it is helpful i think maybe like that they have all this materials to succeed yeah. right and um but i i yeah it's it's funny i don't i don't know yet it's too early to tell to like, tell what to what did my U.S. theatrical actually do and how do. it helped? I will say that the in-person experience helped me connect with the sponsor because yes. the sponsor was in my film was in a film festival screening and 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 I guess was moved enough to reach out to me. Also, I was there in person doing Q and A. Um, she right. didn't come up to me at that time, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that me being there and, and you know somehow. Um, helped her remember me or felt like she could approach me or reach out or something 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 about me being there helped us connect later sure
1: yeah i i'm in this i understand yeah because i was in the same boat i did like i also did a much smaller uh mini theatrical national for Ursley. uh i honestly feel like I would recommend it from a marketing standpoint, but I wouldn't recommend it if you have zero interest or have resources to do it, because it, like you said, it is extremely time-consuming and extremely resource-consuming and manpower-consuming. Because I'm sure you were pretty burnt out after your big, your first round of, you know, theatrical stuff in it, it nationally. I, I, I was so burnt out from mine and and a lot of it was because I was doing it myself and some of my past podcasts, I would would joke that I have become an event planner and a photo booth (laughs) like runner and a publicist and a social media manager (laughs) and basically Uh everything. Uh, So from that standpoint, if you're not a filmmaker that has that kind of background or have the resources to hire somebody to help you with that, yes would not recommend however for me i think and i i'm hearing this from you uh is that especially with niche communities i think these kinds of communities do appreciate the in-person uh interaction i Mm -hmm. one of the biggest successful events that i did was going to this mermaid convention called the california California mermaid con I knew zero people in Sacramento zero and Mm. but because of that one event mermaids from that community started to care about the film because they're like Mm. oh this event that I care about is not I wouldn't say sponsoring but like is having that film is talking about that film and they care enough about us to come there in person that I should care about the film you know, so I feel like that's where you might see it in the long run. It and it's the problem is it's so hard to tell right now. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like, oh, we did this like theatrical screening. Suddenly we have $50,000 coming in from our VOD sales. It doesn't work that way at all. You may see it like no. 10 years. Later. That's the issue. But I, I honestly believe that it's it's going to do something. It was better to do it than not however it's because you have experience with uh events and f- film festivals and everything to do with su- it's very difficult to do successfully and i i mean watching the social media the marketing of of following that i'm like oh like you've had some great traction uh i it was exhausting i don't regret it doing <laughs> it uh and i do hope i can tell that when I do approach MERS within the community by mentioning that we went to or were part of these conventions or I felt like they immediately saw me as part of the community and not some outsider trying to like just take advantage of their Mm, mm -hmm. livelihood and their lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that, that you being clearly a cat lover yourself and uh had took the time to go meet and greet and everything, it will translate on a longer term aspect. You just, it's just right now, it's like impossible to measure. And I think that's the hardest part about, um, for marketing and, and distribution, everything in the film industry is because it's, a lot of these results don't, they don't, it's not like if A, then B, and it doesn't, it, it, it varies so much. Yeah, and it, it there's no like, Oh typically in 3 years this is what it's going to happen or or like that's why cult films happen you know like oh 10 years later shit like suddenly this one film has a resurgence because this happened or this happened and this perfect storm happened you know so i don't know i i'm excited for your your japan tour because i know japanese the japanese culture loves cats with all the cat cafes they and do. stuff and and i just feel like it's only going to snowball into, you know, hopefully greater um, results down the line. It's just, it is difficult to see it. And it, especially if you're coming off of it right now or starting again. It's, I I say this because I'm thinking about doing the same thing I did nationally, but figuring out how to do it internationally as well. But from a smaller scale, and now I know I, I need people and, and whatnot, but um, I just think that there is some value, for sure, that we just can't see from a financial economic standpoint right this second. So,
2: mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I feel I feel like you know. I I I ran a, a film festival like a six month long film yeah, festival a film festival I feel like yeah. <laughs> like that lasted six months. That's what it feels like, and really? so that's why. I, that's why I think a lot of filmmakers could get burnt out on trying to do that themselves there. Yeah. I will say inevitable. that there are consultants out there who will do these yeah. things for you, yeah. but you know, that's such an added cost. So I don't yes. know, maybe you just yeah. have to be independently wealthy. to, <laughs> to survive Dude, I get business. it. Yeah.
1: I was so stressed out and just, I think the hardest part is, and I, I want to know if this is how you felt. I, seeing some of your comments here and there on social media like oh you're feeling that uh, is like you're never s- super able to enjoy the event at hand because you're so busy worrying about the five other events that you have later and creating mm-hmm. content in that moment for to market those five events later that mm-hmm. you never really able to be in that moment taking it yeah, all. yeah taking it all in um maybe like when i came off the tour it took a while for me to cut back and like re- reflect and be like mm-hmm. oh shit like these events are cool and then another big letdown is when you have a great opening it's always the first one you usually can if you do your marketing and well the first one you should be able to sell out or close to that right but then it's the two to three other screenings right after that and you'll get like two people or like five mm-hmm. and it's so disheartening I think I don't know if you experienced this but it's it can be like a punch in the gut like from an emotional standpoint of like we put all this re- these resources in this marketing all you have to sh- do is show up and like nobody is why is why could I get one screening to show up but why couldn't I get like two or three and you tend to like I started to fixate on that. Um just like, okay, why didn't why didn't I sell out? Sell 10 more tickets or like did I not do enough marketing or did I you know, just second guess everything that you do. Well, I I don't know. Yeah, what's, I was definitely the wondering
2: point? the same I was definitely wondering the same thing. Yeah. I do feel like the takeaway from all of this though was I think if I ever had to do it again, I I would focus on the one event yeah and, and just like just instead of build. having a yeah. week, week yeah. yeah instead of having a week long you know three to five screenings a day yeah. just just do the one and then yeah. it if, really it sell, well. if, if it sells out then add another one the week later be, or whenever right. they can add one because the word of mouth will spread and, right. and that's definitely right. what happened in portland where yeah. you know i had to fill 200 seats and right. uh, No, two or three hundred seats and it just sold out again and again. Yeah. Just what you know? Just one screening uh, at a time because, yeah,
1: I agree with you. 100% because of the right. word of mouth. Yes. Yeah. 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 Instead of stressing about, um, I think my most successful was the same thing when I when I only focus on one event, did it really, really well. And then, yeah, if it did well, then add I think add something else, because when I didn't do that, um, I specifically remember it was New Orleans. I did really well in opening night, but then like we put everything in opening night that we totally forgot about, like the two or three other screenings that we had but that were always like when the, when I don't know if you had this experience, but when you're when you went with an independent theater, you'll have like one good slot, and then the rest are like slots they don't care about, you know? Like it's it doesn't yeah. it's like at three o'clock <laughs> yeah. on a Wednesday,
0: four yeah, p.m. You know? like yeah. okay yeah it's that's horrible. not gonna help me yeah, you know yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So then the, the slots then,
2: that the slots yeah. that nobody cares about. Nobody goes. No. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So then it's like, well, but then what's the point? Right. So um, I agree. I think you put in all you do the best you can on one on one screening in one location, one big event. And yeah, if it does well, maybe add another one, you know, or, or right. later, just like you did in Portland. I, I I completely agree. That's how I should have done it as well. Um, because I, I ran into that problem in New Orleans and I all I could do was fixate on why why there were only two people at the three o'clock on Wednesday and I'm like well because it's a three o'clock on a Wednesday so maybe I <laughs> yeah. shouldn't wait on that
2: yeah <laughs> that, I mean, that happens a lot at film festivals too that yeah those, those darn bad slots
1: the bad slots yeah this yeah. is you're going to get a bad slot so. you just
0: lose sleep over that too yeah because that would that would wreck me as well yeah. but you would think like mm-hmm. spreading out and going into like multiple slots and just know that like okay well those slots are gonna happen anyways you you still don't know once you get to the moment no. where it's like oh yeah idiot there's there's gonna be no one coming in at a 1 p.m on, yeah. on a thursday or something yeah. you know it's just like oh mm-hmm. well all right well, i tried you try right you have to you can't just you know not and then you're like well should have done that you know i should have spread more uh more stuff. like i should have put more eggs in more baskets you know
1: <laughs> so is portland your most successful um it was at toward the end of your tour or was that what was what would yeah, you say it was?
2: Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard I it's hard to name a single like the best one.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but it's I'd say it's in between maybe Port San Francisco did great too, so it's somewhere yeah. in between. I was going to ask. The Bay
0: Area must have popped off for you. Oh for yeah, sure. uh huh.
2: Yeah. Since we shot there as well, and we got great press there, so Bay Area, Portland, and Tucson did great oh. and.
1: Okay. interesting
2: a lot of it uh a lot of it you know what the the one thing that had that that was like I think that they all had in common is really strong organizations that you partner with
1: yeah and they have mm-hmm. a
2: really engaged membership and if and if they know about it they'll come out and so that's what we had um I tried to have a partnership in every single city sometimes that yeah. didn't work out right but it made a huge, huge difference. I would say that we had a better turnout um, maybe in the Bay Area than in New York, even. Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah.
2: Or L.A. And that was kind of a surprise yeah. um, to see. So you just never know, you know, You're yeah. based in Cali, so, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in okay. L.A. And and the only reason why we spent so much effort in New York was because we shot so much of the film there.
0: Right, right.
2: Um, and the cat rescue, Flatbush Cats, that we were um, trying to help is there. And so we just knew that all all this would help them. Uh, right. Otherwise, I don't know if there was a need to do New York because they no longer, the New York Times will no longer review your movie just because mm-hmm. you get a theatrical in the city, yeah, um, so things have changed and that's no longer the case. So if that's the case, why do you why? need why do we even need to do New York?
1: Right. right.
2: You know, that's I, I, right. my movie had a special connection there, so I had so, to do it. But right. but, you right. know, it's such an expensive city to yes. launch a movie. in. yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would do that again.
1: Yeah, no, I think Sarah. we bring up a, <laughs> a, a very interesting case um, is that There are so many things that we that from a historical standpoint, traditionally films do that independent filmmakers don't necessarily need to do because it may not work for their film. So, yeah, I think traditionally you are supposed to release it in L.A. and New York because of the coastally Those are the film hubs. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it doesn't make sense because you don't have an audience there or you don't know people or whatever, you don't have to. That's the great thing about independent films. You don't have to follow. Follow the norm, and you probably shouldn't. You should find things that make you stand like you're
0: out. One place, correct? You
1: know. Yeah. So I don't. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but I think oh, we're at yeah. our oh, hour or so yeah. Mark. But is there anything that you want to specifically talk about before uh, before we close out that you want uh, people to go and check out? Uh, what are you? What is your film? Uh, I guess. If anybody is in Japan, you should w- watch out for the the screenings. How can they find out more information on yeah, when um, they're going to screen?
2: Everything's on catdaddiesmovie.com. dot uh, com. Mm-hmm. We have twi- Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and that's all at CatDaddysMovie. So we're pretty easy to find. And um, I'll be out there personally for the July twenty eighth uh, release in Tokyo, that's and. Cool. Um, so super, yeah, we're super excited about that. And uh, yeah, like you said, I guess there's it's a snowball effect and we'll see what happens. And definitely there is some kind of traction because I I was on the picket line at the WGA picket line at, in front of Netflix yeah. Yeah. and I, I was doing a few laps. And then one of the strike captains was like, did you make cat daddies? <laughs> yeah no way that's yeah and i was like wow and honestly i don't even think he saw the movie he had just heard about it oh
0: (laughs) okay
2: we were we were at the same film festival one year or something but like (laughs) it wasn't even like a fan like he just he just had heard of it (laughs) get some picket
0: line cred though with that that's awesome yeah i know
2: it's kind of like so that really like proved to me like oh i guess People are hearing about
1: this. Sure, yeah, yeah.
2: So. that's
1: great. Yeah, um no, I think it's just going to be a snowball effect, and it's just going to grow. And however, uh, for those people who are out there asking, wondering, like, how can we help? You know, filmmakers, independent films, is just showing up or telling people about it. Literally, yeah. tell everybody uh, because we rely. We don't. We aren't studios. We can't just buy out theaters and give out ticket screenings for free no. and and all that stuff. We rely heavily on word of mouth. And so, yeah, I go to check even, out. Yeah.
2: Even just rating the movie, which I'm doing for you, by the way. But even just yeah. leaving ratings and reviews for the movie is help, really helpful. It and is also yeah. sometimes sometimes for the filmmaker. That's the only way we can even see like that. What people, you think. know, because like, it's not like we yeah. can go somewhere and look at the numbers.
1: All right. we can see
2: is, like, how many ratings does it have right now?
1: Right. That's the exactly. only way we
2: can tell that people are watching it. So,
1: yeah. It's, yeah, all of this is helpful. That's why I've been bothering all my friends. Like, please just, like, write something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: want to stare at the tomato meter yeah. for the night. No, I, time, I'm, actually,
2: I'm actually doing it for some other friends at the same yeah. time. So, it's yeah. just, like, spending, spending totally. an hour and just doing it right. for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think it's important. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, like the rest of the world doesn't know any better. So they 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 the, the only way they know whether a film is good is they hear it from somebody or they go and do their own research. And where would they go? They'll go see it on tom, uh, Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb. And and unfortunately, there's also lots of trolls out there. So so if oh, you get yeah. trolled and, you know, don't always believe the reviews straight on no. as well, you know, yeah. do your research. Go look at interviews. Go uh, ask your friends all that stuff. But uh, the best way, if you to help a filmmaker and it's free, is when you really enjoy a film and you will w- really enjoy Cat Daddy's. Both of us would watch it. And it's fantastic.
0: It's wonderful. It's
1: telling people about it to go and watch it. That's what, yeah. That is what will create snowball effect that we really, really, really need to keep doing what we love to do. So, yes, and that's why we have Get Realisms. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. Um, yeah, so that's it. I think.
0: And that's yeah. I mean, that's a good, good segue. Good, yeah. good ending to it all. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. By the way, we we appreciate it and and talking about Cat Daddies. Uh, which again, is a wonderful movie. Um, it's awesome. We we you have the link nice. for every. Yeah, of course we have the link on uh our Instagram and our uh Facebook. So please, everyone. Yeah,
1: Cat Daddies movies.
0: Movie. cat daddy's movies uh and enjoy it stream it talk about it everything you yes, know yes and if you're Japan, go to
1: tokyo to watch yes the, the opening it was july
2: 27 is that what you said
1: 28, 28th. Yeah, july, 28. july 28th everybody yeah. in tokyo uh, yeah. i'm
2: just gonna i'm just gonna camp out at the theater all weekend and yay <laughs> That's a, that's
1: I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, well, thank you, yeah. Thank you for your time and for for your insight on the whole distribution aspect of it all. So, which is really frustrating.
0: So, uh yeah. yeah, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, uh get realism's podcast isn't a get realism's podcast without talking about the book here, ladies and gentlemen. GetRealisms.com, Pick it up today. We love you. And uh, that's 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 about it. That's it, guys. That's it. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Instagram. We love you. And uh, tune in. uh, I was going to say next week. Next Next time.
1: Next time. (laughs) If we're not working.
0: If we're not working. (laughs) So thank you again, everyone. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace Peace out. out.